You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Westside family. Good to see you guys today in the room, those that are online as well. Great to have you with us today. I hope you are all doing great. Ah, spring in Central Oregon. It's good. It's good. Well, we're in a series called In This Together. We're diving into what it means to be community, what it means to be part of a community. And uh, last week, Pastor David kind of launched us into this series. If you didn't get a chance to, to hear his message, make sure you get online and watch that. And, uh, we're, we're building a foundation for what Westside is going to be over these next several years. And really this series is focusing on a couple of different questions. One, what is God's intention in building a community uh, in his image? What does that even mean? What does he wanna do with that? And two, what does it mean to be a people of God, not just a person of God, right? I mean, I think sometimes we, we just think of our, our relationship with God in individualistic terms. I remember a decade or so ago, I, I asked somebody, you know, what's your spiritual journey? And they were like, that's a private matter, you know? And I think that's, I get that. But in the body of Christ as Christians, it's a collective of like, what, are, what is God calling us to be and to do together? So I want you to do this. I want you to think about the relationships that you have with people in the church, other Christians, okay? I want you to think about people that you have a relationship with in the church and how would you describe those relationships? Ambivalent, meaningless, <laughs> non-existent, uh, deep, meaningful, um, friendship. I mean, what, how would you describe your relationships with people in the church? I want you to kind of think about that as, as we talk about this today. It's interesting, the New Testament uses a lot of different metaphors to describe the church, the ecclesia, the people of God, the gathering of God, and, uh, and a field, an olive tree, um, a building, um, are some of the metaphors, a flock, like a flock of sheep, a, a, a vine, a vineyard. But the most common metaphors that the Bible uses to describe the, the, the church are a body, you know, we are one body um, with different parts. Uh, that they also they use the metaphor of a marriage, that we are God's, we are the bride of Christ, that kind of idea that we are collectively. Um, and then also the imagery of family. And family is kind of where I want us to spend a little bit of time today. And, and through this series, we wanna cast a vision for the type of community God desires us to be and to establish here at Westside. And it's gonna, it's gonna take some time for us to get there. These, this four-week series is just, just building a foundation that we're gonna build on over the next couple of years because it's gonna take time for a church like Westside, a large church where it's so easy to be kind of scattered and disconnected and you come to a service and maybe you don't see people for a long time, that kind of thing. And how do we as a community build, build the sense of family and togetherness. So it's gonna take some time. Um, we're also working against a lot of forces that don't want us to be in community, uh, primarily ourselves. <laughs> That's, we don't want, I'm good. I don't, I'm good just the way I am. Don't ask me to be in more of a committed relationship than I wanna be in. We've got that. We've got also society working against us that's trying to keep us divided and separate from one another. Um, we've, we've got our, you know, even when you do build a relationship with someone, you kinda, we kinda wanna keep it shallow. We don't really wanna go deep. And so there's a lot of forces kind of working against this. So we're gonna keep pressing in because the Bible describes a level of community in the body of Christ that we don't 
often see anymore. And it's something I think God is asking us to wrestle with um, over these next couple of years. Now this family imagery that the Bible describes and uses as a metaphor for the church brings up a lot of different emotions for people. Um, All of us to some degree or another have experienced broken family. Um, both in our biological families and also in the church family. And so when we talk about family, that may bring up some you know, issues of, of abuse of power or even physical abuse, spiritual abuse. And, um, and so we want to describe, we wanna look at how the Bible describes this community and of a healthy family and how do we live into that. Um, knowing that it does bring up a lot of different emotions. Um, And then also I think, you know, some of you might be thinking, you know, I already have a family. Definitely don't want two of those. And so we just want to keep pressing in, all right? Like, like, let's keep pressing into this because it's important and and you'll see why it's important as we talk today. So now there's a word that the Bible uses to describe the kind of relationship God has with us and the kind of relationship he, ha- he wants us to have with one another. It's, it's, it's throughout the Old Testament as well as the New Testament and it impacts our relationships with him, with God and with each other and this is the word, covenant. If you're taking notes, write that word down, covenant. This is, a, this is an important, important word. Matter of fact, the Bible is, is divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament and really that word testament should be um, translated covenant. It's really the old covenant and the new covenant. And, and, the, and, the, and that's important, why? Because this idea of covenant is, it, it, God launches this idea in the Old Testament and he gives four, kind of four general covenants to uh, four individuals, but really to the people of God through Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. And these four covenants are God's commitment to his people. And what he's saying is that I'm going, I want to be your God. I want to protect you. I want to shelter you. I want to provide for you. And I want you to be my people. And then our kind of our our end of the agreement of the covenant is that we will follow his ways. We will obey his word. We will do what he asks. We will obey him. And what we see throughout the old covenant is that we don't keep our end of the bargain very well. We keep, as Casey mentioned during worship, we're messy, and so we don't really want to do what God tells us to do. And so we're constantly, through the pages of Scripture, we're constantly um, disobeying Him and doing our own thing and trying to make life work on our own without Him. And you know what God does? He consistently shows up to renew His covenant to every generation. His covenant of love to us his covenant of grace, his covenant of mercy. He just kind of keeps showing up over and over again throughout the pages of the old covenant and we keep rejecting him. And then what he decides to do is to send himself to, be, to, to inst- instigate a new covenant where he's, he's, both, he's both the provider of the covenant and the fulfillment of the covenant. He's, both, he's on both sides of the covenant. As God made man, made human, he can, he can bridge the gap. And so he is both God who, who has made, he's renewing his covenant of love for us, love each other as I have loved you, Jesus says to his disciples, right? But then he's also the one that we, through him, we can fulfill our end of the covenant. Without him, we, we have no hope. 
we've, we see that through more than half of the Bible, that we're not able to do it on our own, and, but through Christ, he makes a way for us to fulfill our end of the covenant. And I love how the Bible describes this. If you have a Bible, there's a couple places we're gonna look, Luke 22 and Hebrews 9. In Luke 22, Jesus is with his um, disciples uh, at the Last Supper. And, uh, the, and they're, they're having dinner together. This is the last time they're gonna have dinner together before Jesus goes to the cross. And in, in, in Luke um, 22, verse 19, this is Jesus, it says this, that Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it and he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples. So this might sound familiar. This is the communion, right? That we, we do this as a community. We share in the body and blood of Christ as representative of this moment that Jesus had with his disciples to remember um, what Jesus has done for us. And he broke it in pieces and he gave it to the disciples and he said this, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And then after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said this, <laughs> another cup of wine. I've never noticed that before until just now. Anyway, it, that's great. Um, <laughs> I just like, I've read that. How many times have I read this, Mike? And I just like, another cup of wine. How many cups did they have? <laughs> Anyway, after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said this. This is super important what Jesus says right here. He says, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. You gotta understand that when his disciples who, who knew the old covenant really well, when Jesus uses that phrase, the new covenant between God and his people, this is significant. This is like the fifth covenant and this one fulfills all the other covenants. They all combine and Jesus is the fulfillment of all this and he says this is an agreement confirmed, this covenant is an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. In essence, he's saying I'm, I'm, I'm both offering this covenant, this new covenant to you and I'm sealing it with my blood so that you can keep your end of this covenant. And then the author of Hebrews, um, in Hebrews chapter nine, kind of talks a little bit more about this. Um, you're gonna see verse 15 on the screen, but let me read verse 14 first. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. What he's describing is that so that we can have relation, a covenant relationship with God. And, um, and then it goes on, for by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins, for our brokenness, for our messiness, so that we can be in relationship with God. Verse 15, that is why Jesus is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people, so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. He makes a way for us, to, for us to fulfill our side of the covenant. It's just beautiful. We, we love because he first loved us. He makes the way for us to be able to love him, and get this, and love one another. And that's where the, this covenant community comes into us as a covenant community with one another. See, Jesus made a way, uh, in a sense, his death um, holds the covenant together between us. Not just with us and God, but between us, you and me. Love each other, love each other. Not, not, he didn't say love God as I've loved you. He said love each other 
as I have loved you. So he's talking about there's this covenant. It's not just about loving God, it's also about loving people and each other, loving our neighbors as ourselves. This idea of covenant is, is community-based. And so he holds this community together. But, but interestingly, when we read the Bible, all of us do this because we, we grew up in this culture, we read it as individuals. When we come to know Christ, it's an individual decision to follow Jesus. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just not really what we see in the Bible. What we see in the Bible is that, that p- the people of God come together. Like, like in the Old Testament, when, when the people return to God after breaking their into the covenant, they return to God, and it's not just one individual repenting before God and returning, it's the people of God coming together. So throughout the narrative of scripture, you see community is embedded um, in this idea of covenant. And see, God's covenant wasn't just to Noah or to Abraham or to Moses or to David, it was to the people of God during those, the, that generation. It was when Jesus came, he said, I, 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 I came, I love the whole world. I came for the world. I don't want, I don't, I, I wish that none would perish, but all would have eternal life. I don't, he came, right? This is an invitation um, for us to be in community together. And he makes a promise to us, not to us just individually, but to us as a people, that we are bound together in love. How many of you know that sometimes community feels more like this than like this? And so often when this happens, we bail. When, I, when, I, when, when the pastor says something I don't agree with, when um, I have business dealings with a brother or sister in Christ and it goes bad and you know, we, 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 ha- we experience this and that's why we kind of check out sometimes of this whole idea of community, uh, of covenant community within the body of Christ and Jesus wants us to press in to love each other as he has loved us and he makes this promise to us that that we will be his people, his people together on mission. We respond even to this, this invitation by God. We respond as a people together. That's why I think this metaphor of family is so widespread in the new covenant is because that's how he, God sees it, that we, that he is our father and we are his kids. We are his children, and if we are children of the same father, what does that make us? Brothers and sisters. Uh, Anybody old enough, like me, to remember back in the day when we used to actually use those terminologies with one another in the church? Brother John and Sister Gladys. Anybody out there online? Come on, age yourself. It's okay. Don't make me be the old person in the room, all right? Yeah, so so, some of you are like, what? What? That sounds like a cult. Yeah, it kind of felt like it too, to be honest. But, <laughs> but we used to, we did. We used to call each other brother, brother this and sister that. And, I, and I'm so glad we moved away from that for the cult reason. But I also miss it. Because I think we've forgotten. We see ourselves as individuals only. And, and so what that means is that we can, we can move very, far too easily between churches because I don't really like this, or I don't like that, or they're making me wear a mask, they're not making me wear a mask. I mean, we just like, oh, let's just go find some place that we feel better, you know? And I understand that, but when was the last time you asked God where, what community does he want you to be a part of? And it may not be this community, 
But I think it would be healthier if each of us looked at our connection to a church based on God's calling. He's asked me, why are you part of Westside? Because he's asked me to be part of this community. And I wanna give myself to it. I, I wanna figure out what it means to be in covenant with one another. And even when things happen I don't agree with or I see things that make me uncomfortable, whatever, I'm, just, I'm called to this place. I'm gonna keep pressing in to see what God has for me. And it also makes you think, how can I contribute to this family? Not just, not just be consumers of the family, but how can I contribute to this family? And I, some of you are like going, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. My family is so dysfunctional, I don't even know what healthy family is. And I get that. And I think we can, as we, we can learn together as we keep pressing in, what does it mean that to, to honor each other, to love each other, to care for one another? See, when we follow Jesus, we enter into this covenant community that we are bound together in love. I love what Paul writes in Ephesians 4.25, we are members of one another. And in, in, in the letter to the Corinthians, he talks about how you, an arm can't say, you know, you can't say, I don't need the body. We're, we belong to each other. We're connected to one another because of Christ's love for us. So, so we, are, we, are, we are bound. We are together. And I love how um, the writer of Hebrews later in Hebrews chapter 10, after talking about the blessings of the new covenant that are provided by Christ's blood, he says this, he writes this in Hebrews, or she writes this, it might have been a woman, but Hebrews chapter 10 writes this, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's consider that. As brothers and sisters, let's consider how, how do we love one another? How do we inspire one another to good works? And how do, how do we encourage each other? And don't neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some. I'll come back to that in just a moment. But encourage one another. You know what encourage means? It means give each other courage. Just give each other courage. Just speak words of life and, and hope and encouragement to one another. And all the more as you see the day, the last day drawing near. And, and there's signs everywhere that we're in the last days. And I just think we just gotta keep encouraging one another. Not, not bringing each other down, but building each other up. That's what the family of God is supposed to, to be about. But you notice here, right? Did you catch this? Encourage to don't neglect the gathering. And and after a year of not gathering, um, as, we've, as we're familiar with, I hope we all understand the importance of gathering in our lives. I hope you, I hope you don't, I, hope, I, I think there are people out there that are like, you know, I, really, I really like this church thing online. This is, this is nice. I don't have to see anybody, talk to anybody, deal with anybody. Um, and I, and some, of, some of our, we have an actual church now that's just online. They don't live in this area. And so I wanna encourage you. But I also, those that are in this area, as we begin to gather more and more together, don't neglect gathering. Don't make it a habit to not gather. Um, be a part of the community that God has put you in um, on Sundays. Like make it a priority in your life as, as we continue to open up as a society um, because it's a place that you can feel like you belong to something bigger than yourself where we worship together. There's, there's no replacing that where you come in and you gather together and we all sing to, to God and honor him corporately as a community. Um, I think it's so important. But I also want you to know that and, and, and keep, continue to emphasize that to, to, we need more than a, than a Sunday to be a family. 
We need more than a Sunday to be a family. Imagine if the only time I spent with Suzanne was one hour a week or a month for some on Sunday. Good, I didn't hear her say amen. I was just waiting if, to, if she was gonna. Whew. I'm not saying that we should spend time, the same amount of time that a spouse, a, a husband and wife should spend together. I'm not saying that. I'm not, uh, I'm not talking about overcommitment. I'm just saying that there's, if we are truly the family of God, we need to make a commitment to, the, to being with each other both on Sunday and in smaller gatherings where we grow together, challenge one another, um, care for one another, um, it needs to be a priority. We're called to a community to be together. Um, I'm gonna finish with this and then I have an announcement I wanna make. Um, last week, Pastor David described this community with God and with each other um, with, a, with a Greek word, perichor, Perichorsius, I think is how you pronounced it, but it's, it describes a divine dance that happens. And what's really cool about this is it's not just a, d- a dance with the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but when we enter into the family of God, we join this dance. And, and I'm not gonna, I, I could really make it awkward right now and say so let's end by dancing with each other. I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. But, <laughs> but this idea of like we are, with each other and figuring it out and dancing with one. I mean, and, with, and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father are in the mix. I mean, it's this beautiful picture. And but that's not what we usually experience. That's why we gotta dig into this and like learn about it where we can treat each other truly as a healthy family should, where we can spend time with each other as a family, grow together, um, challenge each other. And we can embody this dance as a community.